Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. There's been another busy weekend in the rugby calendar. The women's Six Nations kicked off and the Gallagher Premiership was back in full swing. So joining me to talk through all the action, it's Steve Cording. Hi, Steve. Hi, Lawrence. And of course, Nick Purawal, the rugby correspondent at the Evening Standard. Hello, Nick. Hi, Lawrence. The last time I saw you both was at my Rugby Works charity Six Nations sort of wrap-up breakfast, lunch and dinner event at Boysdale's in Canary Wharf. Gentlemen, you looked somewhat over-refreshed. Uh, Nick, how was your first Boysdale's experience? Oh, it was very good, thanks. Yeah, but yeah, I think, like you said, uh, sort of uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner element, probably. Uh, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner and then breakfast as well, wasn't it, for some? But, um, yeah. uh, we, we found a new talent for Nick, which was, uh, <laughs> come on, don't be shy now, Nick. He has a fantastic singing voice it has to be said backstreet boys wasn't it Nick? thanks steve yeah that's uh, kind of you to say this is go to karaoke now anyway for the next <laughs> time we go out listen i thank you for your for your wonderful support i didn't realize um that uh, the singing went on till the early hours um, <laughs> i of course was um, tucked up in bed because uh, being the consummate professional that i am and being a little bit older i had to recover but uh, listen it was a incredibly successful event i think we raised over seventy thousand pounds for rugby works uh, across the country so uh, thank you indeed for your support superbly organized lawrence and i know you don't like to talk about this much but you do a fantastic job there and i think just hearing from some of the recipients of the program just sort of brought it home the great work that rugby works actually do thank you very much our guest this week is former england player who earned 58 caps during her international career and scored 44 tries winning a world cup in the process it's cap march and cap welcome to the podcast how are you looking very fit and well Thank you very much. Yes, I have uh, been to the gym this morning. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> feeling good. Well, we'd expect a, a young lady who runs a fitness business to be uh, to have <laughs> yeah. already been at work. Um, so <laughs> full marks to you. Um, listen, it was a sellout game for England, Scotland up at Kingston Park. Of course, the start of the TikTok Women's Six Nations. A record attendance for Wales as they faced Ireland at Cardiff Arms Park. I think 22 tries scored across all three games. It's been a great opening weekend. It really feels like a seminal moment in, in women's rugby. Would you concur? Oh, definitely. I think that the um, the sellout for the England game was fantastic. And actually, it shows maybe they need even bigger venues. And there's already been 40,000 tickets sold uh, at Twickenham for the final game uh, in April for England versus France. That's only 2,000 shy of the ultimate uh, record, which is currently held uh, in New Zealand at the Eden Park for the World Cup final. So it just shows how great a place that the women's game is in general. And it's uh, fantastic to see the support that's behind it. I mean, having lost that World Cup to New Zealand, we've got to take something away. So I'm sure or uh, our listeners will will fill the void. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a Sell those remaining uh, thousands of tickets. And uh, now, listen, one yeah. of the big, well, probably the biggest talking point, quite rightly, of the weekend has been Sarah Hunter's retirement from rugby. Yeah. 
the most capped England player across the men's and the women's game, 141 caps. That is quite some achievement. She has had a phenomenal career of 16 years. I guess she's probably seen every change along with a number of her colleagues like yourself across the game. You played with her during that time at the Red Roses. Just give us a a little synopsis of your thoughts on the impact that she's had. And um, not every player gets to have that kind of swan song, but that was a hell of a way to go out, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, most players, you're either dropped or you're injured, so you don't really get to choose (laughs) um, your outs. But yeah, what what an amazing opportunity for her to be able to do that at home. But yeah, the thing I'd say about Taranta is that she's been a professional long before the game was professional. She's always been that person that would turn up early, that would do the extra, She's just that type of character. She'll be out there signing autographs for the longest amount of time. The way she did that interview after the World Cup final when they lost, like just you couldn't believe the class that she had through it. I'd have been bawling and a a complete wreck in the corner, but she managed to hold it together and just, yeah, just class, I'd say. She's always the professional. Do you remember your last game? Well, mine was the World Cup final um, that we won. Um, So, yes, yeah. So it was uh, incredible, but unfortunately I'd been sort of plagued with concussions uh, in the build-up to it. So in the back of my mind, I knew it was my last game. So it was one of those bittersweet moments, really, because obviously we won it and it was amazing and a huge relief uh, because having lost it four years before, so it was amazing but also singing the anthem I knew it was probably my last time so there was a real like emotion to it but um yeah not a bad game to bow out well if I was going to say if that's if that's the way to bow out winning a world cup final I mean I probably probably should have cut my losses and bowed out I lost my last game for England which was a world cup final uh, against Uh, South Africa but We'll yeah. blame the uh, little uh, Irish referee. Um, <laughs> yeah, always blame the referee. Yeah. Not Mark Coeto. <laughs> yeah, you, you talk about Sarah holding it together through interviews. Have you seen that interview yet that she did on BBC with the, I don't know who that was, crawling on his hands and knees behind her during that final bit? That was actually Hannah Bottomman. That's one of the players. Oh, was yeah. it? Oh, so right. She, um, yeah, so she was injured at Brilliant, the minute. Yeah. She's a real character. She's amazing. <laughs> she actually retweeted it or put it on a story or something and was like, I shouldn't be let out of the house. Because yeah. uh, I think in her mind, she's like, oh, I'll get out of the way, but just walk pass or run past anything but don't crawl um, yeah. but, it's yeah, not it really going to help funny. her injury either is it no. crawling on your hands and knees yeah with her knee yeah it's probably the worst thing she could do but um yeah bless her <laughs> yeah. you you're obviously in comms i mean uh, scotland have now turned professional and obviously put up uh, a little bit more resistance to england but england still won at a relative canter i mean can yeah. you see anybody coming close to stopping england i mean italy france was a little bit closer yesterday i guess the french is really the one team that stands out as the ones who can really challenge England? Oh, it's 100%. It's France. Normally, England-France is a really tight game. And actually, weirdly, Italy is their bogey team. So whenever they play Italy in Italy, it is close games. And the weather was atrocious. Um, So I wasn't surprised by the closeness of that game. But France will dominate the other games that they play. So that will be a really good game at Twickenham. I mean, because they, they hate the English. They um, they really come firing at us. They always play better against the feelings us. Mutual, the feelings mutual, the feelings mutual, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that will be an amazing game. Yeah, Kat, I interviewed... Um, Sarah until last week and I was asking her you know when she was young who were her sort of role models and she was saying how actually it was players from the men's game but across um, you know the course of her career and the course of players like yourself as well that's completely changed hasn't it for a former Red Roses player and World Cup winner yourself how proud are you your generation her generation that 
have made that change. And I suppose it, it must have been a really good thing for her to be able to retire with youngsters in the crowd who can actually see what they can be in the future now, can't they? Uh, and it's that. It's exactly that. Because um, when we were younger and coming into the game, it was very much you'd look up to your male equivalents and you'd look at them and you'd watch their games and be like, wow, I want to play like that and emulate them. But the games we were involved in weren't on TV necessarily at that time. So you didn't have those stars that you look up to. Whereas now, absolutely people do like young players will be looking at the likes of Claudia McDonald like scoring loads of tries doing amazing and young wingers will be looking going oh, I want to be like her when I grow up or you know I want to play like that and that's great as well and there's a lovely photo um from the England Scotland game and uh it's zoomed in and all on the front row is young it's young lads it's young boys that are watching uh so it's not just we talk about let's grow the game let's get girls involved in the game but actually it's beyond that it's like let's just get people inspired and children inspired to want to to play rugby so yeah really valid point there and Kat, I feel like, you know, with the success of the England women's football team and the general elevation, of, quite rightly, of, of women's sport per se, it feels like a, a bit of a moment in time. I mean, obviously, England got to that World Cup final. We're hosting the next World Cup. The game has grown enormously. Um, we, we often have to remind ourselves that the, that the women's game has only been professional in England for a very short period of time. And actually... It's not a level playing field because some of their teams that they're playing against aren't professional and it's very difficult to grow the sport when some of you are working full-time and some of you are working part-time and it's just very difficult. Where do you think the priorities are for the continued development of the women's game? If you could pick one or two things that sort of still frustrate you a little bit, what would they be and what would those priorities be? Well, firstly, I'd sort of say that the the fact that other nations are now taking it seriously and they are professionalising the game, like Wales... They've had some dreadful Six Nations the last few years. They've been really underperforming. They've been dire, to be honest. And then this year, they've come out. First round, they have put Ireland away. They're like really impressive. Bonus point win before half time. And that's because a year and a half ago, they went professional. So like Scotland only just gone professional. And it takes time, doesn't it? Like you, you played in the days as well, Lawrence, where it wasn't. And then you had that transition so, where it is. So you mean there are some good rugby players in Wales? Is that that's what you're basically There are, <laughs> yes. There are some very, very good players uh, in Wales. But a lot of the Welsh players have actually been in the English Premiership, which I think has, like the Prem 15s has just accelerated with the amount of support that it's receiving at the minute. Players are getting proper funding. And, and the biggest thing I think as well is about, it's not just about the time together. It's about the ability to recover because when you have got doctors uh, I think there's like three or four doctors in the premiership which are going on shift overnight and then going and playing rugby it's very difficult to be able to do so I think that's a big thing showing it is obviously fantastic selling tickets uh, fantastic and one big thing as well and I know it's, only, it's a small thing it sounds like it but going to uh, so I do commentary most weekends one weekend I had off and I was like actually I'm going to go watch a game obviously um, so I went down to the Quinn's uh, women who were playing Gloucester top of the league and there was food on there was drinks on there was all of that and there was atmosphere whereas previously you go you can't even get a cup of coffee or you know it's one man and his dog watching so it's just having got the atmosphere whereas that building it's now actually a product that people go oh should we go to the game it's not oh should we drag ourselves down and do it so I think that's a big difference as well but I think continued support and Ireland are the ones who are having the biggest problem they've offered contracts players haven't accepted them and you have to worry about how bad those contracts are because I was thinking about this I think my first sevens contract we worked it out and I was on about two pound an hour and I was like yeah cool great I'm in um so like, yeah they've got no yeah. excuse now Ireland they've got enough money in the coffers from winning that grand slam the yes. IRU can yes. now uh, yeah. maybe uh, divvy up some of that w well-earned money and give it to the ladies' game. Definitely, I think so. So, yeah, support, continued support uh, and just showcasing it and uh, get, yeah, getting behind it. Brilliant.
Kat, you've mentioned there about uh, working as commentator. Obviously, you, you're still coaching and, and your punditry role is something that you enjoy. But can you tell us a little bit about the successful fitness business that you've now launched, Elite 14? Now, I, I follow you on Twitter. Yeah. Avidly. I have to say, your physique is unbelievable. Thank um, you. Steve, you're not following it that well because yours hasn't yours hasn't changed very much. <laughs> not following the advice, right. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lawrence will never go near another gym, I think, in his life. He just likes to sit on his bike here. Yeah, I think he's, he's done, done, done enough tomorrow. weights for a lifetime. You're going there yeah. tomorrow, so he tells us. Yeah. yeah. But, um, this clearly is something that you're very passionate about. But also, I think the one thing that, that struck me in particular is the amount of negative comments as well that mm. you still get, particularly around, uh, you're obviously a keen advocate of, of body positivity. Yeah. Um, I mean, what was it that first made you decide to do this once you'd finished? Yeah, so I'd always been interested in like personal training and, and helping people out and everything. And then when COVID hit, actually, obviously you had to change the way that you worked. So I went very much remote with what we did. And now actually we've got clients from all over the world. We've got people in New Zealand. We've got people literally across the globe that we can now help. And actually because we do the training, the nutrition and the lifestyle, it's more around the mindset. It's not about a quick fix. It's about actually you're going to do this for a long time. This is helping you forever. These are people with, you know, high blood pressures or, or issues that they're facing health wise. that actually they really do need to address. So it's not going uh, long term. So having that is like, really, really rewarding. But yeah, I do get yeah, the trolling from it, which is just really strange there are still people out there who just seem to find the concept of a woman having biceps just far too much for their little brains to to deal with and uh yeah get a lot of negative sort of being called manly and and all this and it's just I, I did find it annoying at first and it was hurtful the first few times you see it but now I actually just go like okay you think I look buff cool um like yeah, so, <laughs> like, yeah I'm, I'm dreaded great you know you just take it as a compliment rather than it's their issue they're frustrated they don't have that physique and you know a lot of the time people will say stupid stuff they'll be like oh clearly roids and stuff and you're like it is 20 years of training of nutrition of hard work and just the comments that are just so flippant you go and you do it you go train four or five times a week you go and do this and see where you get to and I guarantee you don't do it consistently and that's why you're not getting those results so yeah I mean not wanting to put a, a negative spin on it because you get as as many more positive yes, comments absolutely. and feedback yeah. from people that you've helped and what and what you've done and as Lawrence always says on here you know the haters will always hate won't they on yeah. social media there's nothing you can do about that but does it give you a massive buzz when people do say to you you've helped transform me oh, you've changed yeah. my life yeah and you'll still get it like um like a year later or something like that we work with people we helped a lady who'd had an eating disorder for 40 years of her life and uh, she said she finally felt free and when someone's like I get goosebumps saying that because like it's just you genuinely really help people I've always liked helping people and it's not about the um oh I want to get a six pack or anything like that it's, it's, it's not those people generally it's going to be people that are like I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to pick my grandkids up I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to do this in the future and so actually by prioritizing themselves and really helping them with even just simple lifestyle things they can then change forever the joy that you bring to people's life someone said as well that we'd given her the key that she just never had and now it opens all the doors for her and like things like that are just really nice and really rewarding with what we do well nick we better get in there quick come on when are we, we get our <laughs> yeah. first speed yeah. session <laughs> yeah just more info on twitter there you go like follow me on twitter and... you have drinking disorders or... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Now listen, Kat, well done. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, honestly, ignore the haters, ignore the uh, the toxic tweets, because as you say, the, the positivity out there for you and your business and everything you've done to help people's lives is fantastic. Now, before we let you go, we're going to put you through our quickfire question. Tackled. Uh, your full name, please, Kat. Catherine Elizabeth Merchant. Very English, isn't it? <laughs> Very, <beautiful>. so English. <laughs> usable <laughs> name, yeah, yeah, usable name. Yeah. Um, what is your, now listen, maybe not the uh, queen of fitness, I can't really ask you this, what is your favourite takeaway? Oh, Thai, Thai, yeah, definitely. See, even that's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> come on, if you know, in the, come on, the old days, what, when you, what was it? What was your real, the, the real favourite when you'd had a few with the girls? Come on. <laughs> if you've had a few, then, oh, it's like chips, like fish and chips, something like that, it's something greasy and stodgy. Like, something, yeah. like, something like Wimpy that Steve will know because he's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. What, what was the last movie you watched? Genuinely don't know. Some probably rubbish rom-com. I'm a bit rubbish for movies. So it wasn't uh, <laughs> one Pumping Iron by Arnie then? No, <laughs> no, I'm not really into those types of films. But yeah, no. That horrendous. That film is awful. Steve, she's been tackled by me, not you. Yeah. <laughs> so can you put yourself on mute and pipe down? You're both um, bigger than me, so yeah. What was or what is your nickname? Nemo. I had at the time. Yeah. Expand, expand. I mean, is that the only okay, Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I injured my elbow horrifically and then I um, couldn't straighten it properly for quite some time. And um, so they said it was my little Nemo arm. That in itself needs investigation. And uh, ironically, sorry, Lol, I'm going to butt in again. You are actually dressed in Nemo colours today. You're in orange. Uh, yeah. I'm just always, always representing. <laughs> What's, uh, Kat, what is the best advice that you've been given? To keep it quick fire, I'd say just back yourself. And um, who would you say is the most famous person in your phone book? Oh, it's got to be Lawrence Delalio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, I said not, not infamous, famous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the funniest person that you know in either in the England dressing room or in rugby or the people that the person that you just makes you laugh all the time? Marley Packer in the rugby team. She's just a ball of energy. Like you laugh then, like you just, yeah, yeah you just, she's, no, she, uh, do, she doesn't funny. laugh when she's running at people. No, she, that's <laughs> it. But off the pitch. That is funny. no laughing matter. Are you a dog or a cat lady? Dog. Got three dogs. So yeah, definitely dogs. What are they? A mini sausage dog, a cockapoo, and a puppy golden retriever. 
wow that is the full <laughs> that's the full book isn't it really <laughs> um if you have to get up and sing a song what is your karaoke song i would have to be extremely drunk um to do that i'm very shy uh with singing but i'd probably as soon as i'm drunk i get all like excited and confident and then i'd probably go for a dell or something <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah that's going that's going from there i'm really I've, shy but i'm gonna sing adele i have no in between i'm like no no couldn't possibly couldn't possibly couldn't possibly that one sip and then i write i am like, <laughs> like going for it. now a couple of the, the serious ones to finish uh who is in your opinion the best rugby player of all time who was the person that made you sit up and take notice or maybe just someone who's still playing now that you think wow so in men's game i would say johnny wilshinson uh he was around the uh, age bracket when i was younger watching and like really just rated him and thought he was fantastic uh in the women's game not playing now but maggie alfonsi was outstanding like and i hate saying that because she's quite arrogant but uh <laughs> give her an even bigger head but she, she was incredible just that all round player just hard worker but just the way that she hit she punched way above her weight as well and yeah she was a fantastic player your most memorable rugby moment oh, yeah. would be or your first or last game i don't know which one yeah 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 so uh, yeah well actually um, my first game in my first cap i got a try with my first touch of the ball which is actually my other nickname i got a nickname one touch um because <laughs> um the first time i touched the ball did that and it happened a couple of times after that not not the just whole natural time, ta- natural yeah, talent yeah yeah, yeah. so right so, <laughs> so that was a pretty cool memory and uh, but then no it would be the world cup final definitely Well, listen, that is a wonderful way to finish being tackled and a wonderful way to finish your career. So, Kat, it's been great to chat to you, especially about your your fitness business, Elite 14. Uh, We're all looking forward to seeing how the Red Roses progress in the women's TikTok Six Nations. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. So let's have a chat about the Premiership then. Um, Friday night, uh, Newcastle kicked us off with a win over Gloucester, uh, which was all the more remarkable for them, uh, having gone down to uh, 14 men following the red card for prop Richard Palfaram. Uh, so more good news for interim head coach Mark Laycock there. Then we moved on to Saturday and Leicester continued their winning run against Bristol, now five on the bounce. And I think ominously for the rest of the Premiership, uh, Henry Pollard is finally starting to to show the sort of form that Leicester signed him for, scoring a try, 19 points in total, uh, and saying he's finally enjoying his rugby. And Super Saturday then moved on to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Saracens against Harlequins. Uh, Nick, you were at the game. Quinns got off to a textbook start with an early try from Alex Dombrant, but Saracens bagged the win to confirm a home semi-final. How impressed were you by them? Very. And I think the most impressive thing about Saracens really is their inevitability. It's sort of, even when Quinns took the lead, you felt like they would always do what they do, just take control. And, you know, one way or another, they find a way. And uh, with three games to go, 11 points clear, home semi-final in the bag, it's very impressive. And I think respect to Mark McCall when he was pointing out that through the two test windows when their international players have been away, that's when they've produced their best results. And they've used 48 players in 17 league matches, which is, you know, very impressive. And that's always good for the future of the game and bringing new people into the sport. 
No, I didn't actually see that game live because I was at the St. Patrick's Day party down at London Irish who played Northampton. Lol, you were working there and uh, I was on the Guinness there with a group of dads and lads from school, three of whom actually had never been to a rugby match before. Turned into a big party as well, particularly for London Irish, 13,500 there. They won 37-22 over Saints and leaped frogs over them into fourth spot. Um, I still can't quite believe that Irish were bottom of the table in December, but uh, how impressed were you by them and I think particularly this academy production line that they've got there is just fantastic and just keeps churning out all these players doesn't it who are now coming to fruition yes uh, I was there um, in my commentary capacity I mean first of all congratulations to everyone at London Irish for putting on a really good occasion a really good game we don't get to celebrate enough about uh, these types of weekends uh, trying to grow audiences bring new fans in and um, they came out the blocks. They looked hungry. They looked enthusiastic. You know, they looked like a side that hadn't lost the Premiership Cup final the week before. They looked like a side that really were excited about the challenge of uh, of potentially making the top four. We know how dangerous they can be in attack. You know, Paddy Jackson has always been, you know, someone who can help them accumulate points and, and, and take them around areas of the field. But in Tom Pearson, I think they had the outstanding player on the field. You know, we celebrate a lot of England back row forwards, but this young man does appear to have quite a lot of uh, talent in terms of uh, his overall game. I hadn't seen him play quite so well as, as he did at the weekend. I mean, everything about his performance suggested to me, particularly as he was up against Lewis Ludlam, the captain of Saints, who, who actually didn't play badly himself, by the way. Uh, Tom Pearson sort of showed, more importantly, Steve Borthwick, that he could be a, a star of the future. So, yeah, well done to the Irish. I think that um, the way results have gone, and we'll talk about that in a minute, they got every chance of really cementing themselves in that top four. Now, have you ever done what Henry Arundel did to dive before the line and not score? I mean, I won't actually say what uh, head coach Les Kiss called him afterwards because <laughs> um, that turned the air slightly blue on their BT. But uh, have you ever done anything like that, Lol? No, I mean, I, I've scored a try five yards too early. <laughs> Um, you know, and put the ball down on the five metre line. But that was in a testimonial match where the lights were um, pretty poor at Stradley Park. So I think on the basis of my alcohol consumption the night before and the fact that there was no lighting, I, I was given the benefit of the doubt and the referee actually didn't tell anyone and just awarded the try anyway. No, he did embarrass. Yeah, somewhat embarrassing. Look, it's been a roller coaster weekend a week for the young man. Uh, Henry Arundel made his test debut, found himself in a back three that was minus Freddie Stewart. So uh, I guess we can forgive him the emotional fatigue of uh, making his England debut. Uh, and thankfully for him, it obviously didn't cost London Irish. Before that, though, it's not the worst one for London Irish. So he can console himself with that, can't he? Because remember Leguizamon with the big celebration, he tried to do the star celebration and he dropped the ball because he had it in one hand. Yeah, try to do a, well, it's, know, it's, known as the, it's known as the Freddie Burns blooper, isn't it? Really, um, <laughs> the Freddie Burns Memorial Trophy. Uh, but uh, no, listen, it was a very entertaining uh, match, and that was probably just uh, one of the highlights, really. Yeah, so long. One player who did get the uh, the try scoring right was Cam Redpath with his brilliant swan dive there to score for Bath uh, in the final game of the weekend. You were down there for BT Sport. Bath five tries, thirty six nineteen victory over Exeter. Probably not one that we expected, was it? No, not at all. Um, you know, Bath have been rooted to the to the Premiership for well for a while now, haven't they? And uh, Johan van Graam, you know, mixed reception. You know, he's taken a lot of criticism, but whatever he said before this game, you know, it certainly worked. I, I think for him to have a fit complement of players, or certainly a few more off the injury bench, particularly up front, because you know I know that the uh, the backs grab all the headlines uh, inevitably, but. Uh, 
we all know, you know, the foundations of rugby are up front and set piece and just being hard and, and resilient and tough to beat. And Bath have been anything but that. They've had loads of injury problems in their back row, in their front row. And I looked at their team before the game. And actually, my feelings going down there were this is going to be a fairly simple win for for Exeter Chiefs. But actually, when I started to look at the team, I thought, hold on a minute, there's a chance here that Bath have got a really strong side out. And by that, I meant Ben Urbano, you know, loose head prop, Will Stewart, up until recently, England's first choice tight head prop, and Tom Dunn, you know, uh, who's also an international. So just having those three in, in, the, in the front row made such a big difference to Bath. And I thought, you know, along with, uh, you know, Red Path, their kicking game was outstanding. I thought defensively, Pereira, I think their, their South African coach has really made a, or starting to make a, a big impact. And uh, and Ben Spencer, you know, this is a, a player that four years ago was uh, was flown out on the week of the World Cup final to play in the final by Eddie Jones. He hasn't suddenly become a bad player overnight. He's just been playing in a really poor side. So I thought he looked like a, like a genuine option uh, something a bit different at, at nine. And look, whether uh, Van Graan meant to sign him or not, the Finn Russell story, if they can get a pack of forwards that can win ball and play, then there is absolutely no doubt that Bath will be a different prospect next season. And you know what? The people that deserve it most are those supporters because uh, they might all be sort of 85, but they are they are fantastically loyal supporters. And I think that you know, they, they were sold out in a game that they probably thought they were turning up more in hope than expectation. And they were good value. And just, sorry, it's finally to finish, Exeter, well, they seem to have some some travel sickness at the moment. I'm not quite sure what's going on with Exeter Chiefs. They've only won two out of all of their away games, which is very unusual. They seem to get stuck on scoring three tries as well. They've done that seven or eight times this season. And uh, look, Rob Baxter is, is a great man of rugby, as is Ali Hefer, And they'll fix it at some point. Whether it's uh, fixable to make the top four is difficult to say, but you know, all that contract talk they had earlier on in the season, there's so much uncertainty in their dressing room. And no matter how good a coach you are, that causes problems. And the minute that that uncertainty stopped, then they started to pick up results and things started to go their way. So uh, I think this has been an unprecedented year of change at Exeter Chiefs. You know, players going, leaving the club, they still haven't announced where Jack Knowles going, uh, although we all know it's La Rochelle. So, you know, let's see. Let's see what happens. But definitely... Les Kiss would be uh, after he's uh, you know been fined for his outburst on uh, on live television. Uh, he'll be he'll be spending that that money on a on a nice bottle of red wine and sending it to Johan van Graan because that was a big big result. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, we're now we obviously we've got a break for a couple of weeks now because we're back into last sixteen of Champions Cup Challenge Cup action. But uh, let's finish with our uh, players of the week. Player of the week with QBE Business Insurance. Be prepared. Nick, who are you going to choose? Billy from the Polar, actually. You know, I think it was being left out of the England Six Nations squad was a big thing for him. It hit him quite hard. But um, Mark McCall was praising him for the way in which he stayed calm about that, but also stepped forward to be a leader at Saracens during that period of time when he could have had a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but he didn't do that, actually. He got in there and almost in some ways acted as an extra coach, you know, for the young guys coming through, helping them. And I suppose in, in one way that, that took his mind off the England situation, but in another, it's helped him get right back to top form. Lawrence, who are you going to go for? If you'll excuse me, I'm going to have two mentions. One for Sarah Hunter, just to, you know, nod to what she's achieved in her career. And, you know, we couldn't speak of any player of the weekend without bringing her name into it. As uh, what, a, what a way to go. I mean, I got to write my own script because my last game was the Premiership final against Leicester Tigers. And 
we luckily won. But uh, I mean, I think her script writer is is even better. I mean, to play for England in your last game like that, to win emphatically. So well done to her. And of all the performers, of which there were many, my award has to go to a back row forward. Uh, his name is Tom and his second name is Pearson. Uh, I thought he was magnificent. I think England currently lack really big, strong ball carriers that can do the sort of damage that the French and the South Africans are doing on a quite a regular basis. And I think he could well be the answer to that. There's a lot to like about that young man. And uh, let's hope he's got the common sense to stay at London Irish and not be uh, lured elsewhere, because I don't think he needs to. I think London Irish could be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and I think he could be a player that they could build the squad around. Well, I'm going to go for somebody who's a colleague of his from the same uh, game, Ben Loder. His stats were unbelievable. 221 metres, 16 carries and a try. Uh, three clean breaks, bright orange boots, and four new 12-year-old fans, including Cording Jr., who thought he was absolutely amazing. Now, I know you hate to hear this, Lawrence, but if you are going to attract new fans to the game, it's those stars and those sort of performances, I think, that will do it. Because, obviously, all the work goes on in the forwards, but the glory boys who take it, they're the ones <laughs> who are going to appeal. Well, listen, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And uh, presumably, uh, your son has asked for a pair of those orange boots, so it's cost you, uh, <laughs> it's cost you about 150 quid. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast. My thanks to the wonderful Cat Merchant, to Steve, of course, and to Nick, and a special thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more rugby chat, so we'll see you then. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.